Hello. Welcome back to Nature is Gay. This is the podcast that explores biology beyond the binary. I'm your host, Cameron. I'm a sometimes teacher, sometimes scientist, always curious. Uh, Let's just dive right in with this week's topic, which is spotted hyenas. And to start, hyenas have always kind of terrified me. I think some of it is due to some like suppressed childhood Disney trauma, you know, like from The Lion King. But they just always kind of seemed really vicious to me and weirdly freakishly intelligent, right? It's, It's like a sneaky combination. But at the same time, I find them really beautiful and elusive and fascinating. I still think they're kind of like uncanny valley though, right? Like where they're they're very similar to domesticated dogs, but they're also very different from domesticated dogs. Like familiar but also really alien. I don't like it. But I can't really deny that they're really beautiful and interesting especially in regards to their social dynamics and their reproduction. They defy all of our human gender norms, and I don't think there's really any other species that I can think of that quite do it in the same way. So let's dive right in, shall we? The scientific name for spotted hyenas is Crocuta crocuta. And they're actually the only member of their genus, which is the genus Crocuta. And uh, currently there are four extant members of the hyena family. So there's four species of hyena, but they're all in different genuses. And spotted hyenas are the largest member of the hyenidae family. Hyenas were at one time, like millions of years ago, found as far as like Western Europe and even far, far East Russia. And their extirpation from these regions isn't really quite understood, like why they're not there anymore, but it does coincide with the appearance of humans, surprise, surprise, and some habitat loss towards the end of the last ice age. So, you know, like 20 to 11,000 years ago. But currently, all four species of hyenas are found throughout the African mainland, but also the Arabian Peninsula and like Central Asia and India, which I did not know the spotted, no, the striped hyenas are like that far north and east, which is, I had no idea. But the spotted hyenas is what we're talking about today. They prefer savannas and um, the savannas in sub-Saharan Africa but they can also be found in woodlands and low-altitude forests. They're, they're kind of found all over, though, like I said, primarily in the savannas. And they're actually the most common large carnivore in Africa, with population estimates between 27,000 to 47,000 individuals within a pretty limited range, kind of in Central Africa. Right now, no major population concerns, but scientists for some reasons we'll get into, are concerned about the future of hyenas. So right now, they're of least concern as far as um, like IUCN Red List, but potentially have a tough future ahead of them. And even though they look like dogs, and 
even behave a lot like dogs. They're actually more closely related to cats. They're what we called feliform. So they are um, mammals that look a lot like felidae, like cats, but they are not cats. But they are a really great example of convergent evolution with the dogs. So even though dogs and hyenas aren't very closely related, they did um, independently develop a lot of the same traits at different times throughout their histories. Like uh, they're not arboreal. They attack prey with their claws and not their teeth. And spotted hyenas are opportunists who have a reputation for being scavengers, but they actually are really, really good hunters. And their kills are more likely to be stolen by lions than vice versa. So a majority of the time, if you see lions and hyenas sharing a meal, it was most of the time, like more than 50% of the time, it was probably killed by the hyena and not the lion. And it's great that they are good hunters and and scavengers are not really that particular because they eat everything. They'll eat the skin, the bone, animal waste, and they have the capacity to digest it. And that's a really great service that they provide for the ecosystem and disease management and control. However, this hasn't always helped their reputation because their reputations have throughout history, throughout human history, always been kind of negative. Historical depictions in both European and African cultures have not been very kind to hyenas, unfortunately. A lot of the times they are referred to as like foolish or greedy, gluttonous, cowardly. Many throughout history have also incorrectly believed that they were hermaphrodites, even as recently in history as old Ernest Hemingway, which is where the title of this episode comes from. It's actually a direct quote from his description of hyenas during one of his safaris in Africa. And the Kaguru people of Tanzania actually believe that hyenas are grave robbers. And as a result of this, they think that they smell. And side note, not true. They don't really smell because they don't literally roll around in their own shit like actual African wild dogs do. But hyenas do have anal glands that produce a substance that scientists have lovingly referred to as hyena butter. You're welcome. Also, an early Christian text known as the Physiologus is, was very unkind to hyenas. It refers to them as unclean because they reportedly changed from male to female. And this text was really influential throughout a lot of the, I think they're called bestiaries, um, but these uh, these like beast tale texts that came later in the Middle Ages, the physiologus was unfortunately like really influential in the depiction of hyenas throughout the Middle Ages. And even Mr. Teddy Roosevelt himself thought that hyenas were, quote, a mixture of abject cowardice and utmost ferocity. And then we can't forget the Lion King, like I said. One of Scar's hyena henchmen, I think it was Ed, he's so clueless that he tries to eat his own freaking leg at one point. You guys remember that? He like is gnawing on his own leg. And why do they get this much hate? I I think the difficulties in categorizing hyenas don't help 
the fact that they do look like dogs, but they're not dogs. I, you know, humans like to put things in boxes and put labels on things. And hyenas aren't that like cut and dry. And then the hermaphrodite rumors that I mentioned, those, however, are actually pretty understandable when you look at spotted hyenas biology because female hyenas have a pseudopenis. I have read a few texts that refer to hyenas at intersex, which is actually a much better description of what's going on here than actual hermaphroditism, which we covered in episode two. But just to catch you up to speed, biological hermaphrodites actually do change sex either in one direction at a time, one direction, <laughs> uh, in one direction at a time, as is like the case with sequential hermaphrodites like the clownfish, or they can express both sexual characteristics at the same time. Uh, which are called simultaneous hermaphrodites. But female hyenas aren't hermaphrodites because they don't have like male chromosomes or internal male reproductive organs. They still have all of the female reproductive organs. It just looks like a penis. So what is a pseudopenis and what is it for? The female spotted hyena pseudopenis is quite simply an extra long clitoris that is capable of erection. And then her labia are actually fused to create a pseudoscrotum. So it is it is pretty um, undistinguishable from male penises. The pseudopenis also has one opening at the front that's used for urination, birth, and copulation. One hole for everything. And... As you can guess, that makes their mating rather complicated, but we'll get into that in a minute. Something that's really quite common in mammals and is present in both male and female hyenas is penile spines, which I find terrifying and badass at the same time. To give you an idea of just how similar they appear, in 2010, the Maruyama Zoo in Sapporo, Japan, was gifted what they believed to be a male and female pair of spotted hyenas. After years of unsuccessful mating attempts, the zoo was like, oh, what gives? Why aren't they mating? So they did ultrasounds and hormonal tests and concluded that both hyenas were male. So even the experts have a tough time judging which is which based on a just appearance of the, the penis or the pseudopenis alone. One really interesting thing about the pseudopenis is that it does not seem to be linked to androgen production. And androgens are the hormones that are responsible for the development of primary and secondary sex characteristics. So primary sex characteristics are your literal sexual organs and then secondary sex characteristics are like hair growth and voice deepening and breast development, the things that aren't um, explicitly needed for sexual reproduction, but do help in like securing a mate. So the androgens, males typically produce more of the androgens, especially testosterone, 
It's one we, we usually think about. Uh, but with the hyenas, scientists kind of, they disagree about the actual like hormone levels in hyenas and the role that androgens play in their behavior. Like whether or not female hyenas do have higher testosterone levels and that's why um, they're more dominant or or not, you know, if it's not like androgen based. But what we do know is that the pseudopenis is not um, tied to androgen. It uh, it develops very early in fetal development before androgens can be synthesized in the cub's body. So it's totally independent of the levels of androgen. So what actually like triggers the development of the pseudopenis is not quite understood. Hyena social structures are female dominant. There is an alpha female in the clan. That's what a group of hyenas is called a clan, but all of the females in the clan do reproduce. And then the males are kind of transient visitors from other clans. And the females tend to prefer males that are new. So they like arrived after they were born. And this is actually a mating strategy to prevent, um, to prevent, why am I blanking on this word? Oh my gosh. Um, when they are related and they mix genes and it's bad. Um, uh, incest. Oh my God. They <laughs> prefer newer males to, to, avoid incest and any kind of like genetic complications that might come along with that. And the clans can be anywhere from 10 to 120 members strong, depending on the availability of resources. And some scientists even believe that they have the most complex social structures of all the carnivores in the world. So obviously that like stupid, foolish trope is not accurate because you got to be pretty freaking smart to maintain complex social structures. Spotted hyenas are also promiscuous. They form no lifelong pair bonds and the females are typically larger and more aggressive than males. And that's where that like, is it androgen? Is it not? Discussion kind of comes in. And the ability of the pseudopenis to become erect is important because the erection is thought to be a sign of submission to higher ranking members of the clan. And hyenas of both sexes will lick each other's penises as a greeting to show submission or deference. And as far as reproduction goes, like I said, it's complicated. Males literally have to practice for months because it can be so complicated and convoluted to try to get your penis like up and around and backwards into the pseudopenis slit in the front like that's that's a that's a journey but it also means that forced copulation is very nearly impossible which we love but when the female is receptive she can retract her pseudopenis into itself to create like an opening for to facilitate mating but unfortunately the pseudopenis system can have really high cost to the female hyenas. Nearly 15% of all female spotted hyenas die during their first childbirth. And 60% of firstborn cubs will die due to difficulties of giving birth through the pseudopenis slit. 
But after that first birth, the pseudopenis will remain in its stretched form. So later births will carry less risk. It's just that first one that's that's really tough. Unlike human vaginas, which we all know, but it's worth saying, they maintain their shape no matter how many wieners have been inside of it. All right. <laughs> that's all I have for this week. I hope the sound quality is much improved. I have learned so much about audio quality and recording and all of those great things. So I will be re-recording old episodes to make them sound more professional, I guess, as professional as you can sound when you're talking about clitorises. But yeah, I'll be getting around to those in time. But if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. That's how we grow. And I do this because my mind has a seemingly endless capacity for fun facts. And I love talking about them and uh, discussing these things with other people. Uh, And we'll be back next Monday with a new episode. But until then, be well, be curious, and be gay.